Welcome to the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. On today's episode, Anxiety and the Mental Game. We feature a guided meditation for the course from Jamie Crosby and an interview with disc golfer and therapist Anthony Perrier. All right, time to talk ladies disc golf. Hey everyone, this is Becca Kephart. Thank you so much for joining us. I am thrilled to have back in the studio the OG Ladies of the Chains co-hosts, Liz Borg <laughs> Bowman and Crispian Paul. I'm very excited about today's show, but we will start with our first segment, What You've Been Discin', where we each share one disc golf-related thing we're excited about. Liz, what you got? Well, I have played three and a half tournaments since our last podcast. I say three and a half because I played the Rosedale Cup twice, and the second day there I was the only amateur woman there, so it didn't really count. But each day that I played was in successively worse weather. And I played with some really awesome ladies and really was reminded of how these wretched conditions bring out the best in everyone as far as how we treat each other. And I also was really impressed with even when a hole would go badly that everyone was keeping their cool and really I have a lot of respect for all the ladies that I played with. So if I played with you, there were lots of you, so I'm not going to name everybody, but you good job. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I like it. All right, Crispy, and what you got? Um, I'm super, super, super excited for Kansas City Diva Spring Fever that's coming up May Woo-hoo. May 12th. Um, it's the women's global event, and um, we're almost full. We're just shy of our 144 women cap, so pretty excited about that. And, um, you know, been, been proud to be on the planning committee this mm-hmm. year and doing lots of crafty stuff in relation to that, which is one of my things I enjoy anyways. And uh, yeah, I'm just, there's just going to be so many, I don't know, so many cool additions and, you know, we're focusing a lot on like social media presence and um, just really promoting the Disc Golf Divas in this tournament this year. So pretty excited about that. Yes. I am very excited about that as well, as I'm sure you are as well, Liz. Yes, I am. It's going to be awesome. (laughs) I can't wait. All right. So I want to say thank you to everyone that has emailed uh, all the Facebook posts and comments. Um, I want to thank our new Patreon supporters. And I also want to thank Ladies First Disc Golf, a new sponsor for us. Uh, Jenny is awesome. I think we all wear Ladies First stuff, Mm -hmm. don't we? And we all know that it's just wonderful. So uh, getting to connect with the women's disc golf community and the greater disc golf community is one of, if not the absolute best thing about doing this podcast. And with that, Lupe and I are headed to Emporia for the very first time ever for both of us. We're really excited. We're going to be there on Saturday, uh, April 21st, playing the Clover Cliff Ranch uh, Flex C tier. We'll be there in the afternoon. And then we will be back on uh, Saturday, April 28th, uh, pretty much all day, just spectating and hanging out um, with all the fun stuff that's going to happen that day. So we should hopefully have Ladies of the Chains t-shirts on, something so you can see who we are. If not, um, I will certainly probably have my either my KC Disc Golf Divas headband on or my sweet pink, white, and black headband on because headbands are dope. 
And um, <laughs> I will have a field recorder with me, and I would really love to talk to as many of our listeners as possible. So feel free to reach out to me through Facebook or uh, the website, ladiesofthechains.com, um, or just come and find us, and we would love to talk with you. Do so, it. Do it. Very cool. <laughs> All right. We're going to take a short break, and when we come back, our topic of the week. Looking for the perfect disc golf disc to take your game to the next level? Ladies First Disc Golf makes the disc selection process easy with an inventory of women's friendly discs. Ladies First Disc Golf wants to make sure you are looking and feeling great on the course. Jazz up your disc golf wardrobe with a large selection of apparel items for women disc golfers chosen and designed by women's disc golfers. At Ladies First Disc Golf, the ladies always come first. Visit ladiesfirstdiscgolf.com for all of your women's disc golf disc, apparel, and accessory needs. Welcome back. Our topic this week is anxiety in the mental game. Now, obviously, neither of these things are gender specific. But when I found out that some ladies I knew wanted to compete, but were having a hard time uh, due to anxiety about tournament play, I wanted to do this episode. I want to start with the mental game and positive thinking. It's important to remember we love disc golf and we care about it. And that's why sometimes it feels hard when it isn't going well. Just the fact that we care is a wonderful thing. And studies from the field of neuroscience indicate that while negative events may be seared into your mind almost instantly, it takes 5 to 20 seconds to emotionally absorb positive events. And I say that because it's really important that when you make that great drive or shot or putt to stop and think about it, enjoy it, let it become a part of you and your game. So let's dive in here. What do you think, Crispy, and what do you have for this? You know, negative self-talk, I, I hear people call themselves names, you know, just different things like that. So, um, you know, I think then sometimes you get into a bad place and, um, you know, if you can say, you know, oh, okay, I missed this, you know, I missed this, you know, upshot, but the next one's going to be better because I know what I did wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, you're going to probably inevitably have a much, much better round. So I guess that's kind of where that comes in play, into play. Yeah. What about you, Liz? Well, um, I've been definitely trying to work on this for myself mm-hmm. and some some tips that I've gotten from other people that I've been trying to apply are that you should, instead of thinking, okay, I have to throw this drive and it has to get close enough to the basket or focusing on the outcome or the result of what you want, which is, I want to get a three on this hole. Mm-hmm. Just focus on throw smooth and flat. And for me, it's always let it get as far as it's going to go because I don't throw far. So it's just, please let me just have a good throw. And I want to hear the snappy snappy when Mm -hmm. the disc leaves my hands. And that's when I know it's a good throw Mm -hmm. or that I've committed to something. Yesterday at the Sexton shootout, Nate reminded everyone that you need to remember to pat yourself on the back for the Mm -hmm. good things and I think with that too you know obviously nobody's forcing us to play disc golf right Mm -hmm. um hopefully no one's forcing you to play disc golf (laughs) (laughs) that's like a whole other topic um but there's you know hopefully some kind of joy in it that brought us to it in the first place And I think another helpful tip, too, is what are you thinking about when you're off the course? Mm. Like, I like to daydream about 
the good shots I made and really focus the time I spent thinking about disc golf on that rather than what I did wrong. And I don't think it's bad to go back and look at, um, you know, the things that you did do wrong so you can fix them. But for me, I really, really focus on the good stuff first. And then that gives me enough confidence to address the things that I want to fix, hopefully in the healthiest way possible. I think that's a really good point. And if you have someone that you play with often who can help you with that, mm-hmm. um, most often it'll be my fiance, MK, who he's seen me play probably more than anyone. And so instead of telling me things that I did wrong, he'll say, you know, when you're putting well, you really get out on your front foot and you follow through with the basket. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. lately I've been practicing for Corporate Challenge with Anna. And she now knows that it's okay to say, so did you know that you're dragging your foot again? And that's okay because I have no awareness of things that I'm doing. But if I can think about the things that people have told me, I can try and fix that Mm -hmm. or try and do the things that are good. You know, I was I was sitting here thinking about, you know, the main thing, too, and keeping a positive attitude and, and really being able to go back and say, oh, man, that was a really great shot. You know, boy, I had a really bad drive on that hole, but I saved my par with mm-hmm. this amazing shot um, is having that ability to, you know, and I know we're going to talk a little about this, but be present, be in the moment and take it one shot at a time because, yeah. you know, golf games aren't aren't won or lost on the basis of one bad shot or one bad yeah. hole. But your mental game can certainly be lost on the basis of one bad shot yeah. or one bad hole, and you get into a really, really bad place. And we've all done it. Mm-hmm. We've all, I mean, almost every person that I've ever talked to that mm-hmm. disc golfs or, or plays club golf will tell you that they, they lost a round because they lost a hole mentally. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So. And I think that's, those are both really good points. <clears throat> and to those points, there's no replacement for experience. Because the experiences that you have will help build perspective. And then it's kind of up to you what you decide to do with that perspective. So I think it helps just being aware, obviously, with all of these things, you are not alone. Um, It's a total lie if you think, oh, no one has ever struggled like I do or anything like that. And again, to, to Liz's point, I think surrounding yourself if you can with some people who do have more experience is so helpful because they will tell you oh yeah I've been there I've had that too and they can kind of help substitute that experience for you um, until you get it yourself but really the best thing I can't express enough like how wonderful it is because I'm still kind of new uh, so I can still remember very much what it was like a year and a half ago when I was just starting. And it feels so good now that I can have this experience where I can think back, oh, I remember the time that this happened and it was okay. Or I remember what I did then and I'm so glad now I know how to be better at it. We got some really great questions from listeners and I want to start getting into those. So we had this question, why do I walk up to a putt and feel like there is a force field around the basket and how can I possibly fix this? (laughs) So I think we've all been there. I actually have kind of a weird answer to this question and then I want to get y'all's input too. Um, So Liz and I played a couple back-to-back tournaments in early March and the first tournament we played, it was crazy windy and I could not really run putts 
in good conscience because <laughs> the wind was going to take mm-hmm. them and do all sorts of things. And I just was kind of bummed because I could not even really attempt putts like I would like to. And then the following week, uh, the tournament that we played in, the conditions were better. The wind was much, much less. And I was hitting my like circle one putts at a much larger percentage than I ever had before because I was just so excited to run putts. Like just the fact that the wind had kind of been taken away. So that like literal force field was kind of gone that it gave me that perspective to be so excited to putt. So I don't know if you live somewhere there, there's a lot of wind. If not, you should totally visit us in Kansas because <laughs> we can hook you up. Sometimes practicing in those adverse conditions, I think then again with that perspective piece just give you that perspective of of oh man this is feels so much better when i can actually run the putts yeah what do you guys think i think last year something that had helped me was over the winter playing putting league we had a marksman putting league and after that i could if i was stepping up to a putt i'd look at it and i still think uh, often I'll look at that and go, you know, in putting league, this was the easiest distance that we had. Come on, you can do this. Yeah. But it's true. When you when you actually step up to it in a tournament, it does feel like it's a mile away. Mm-hmm. And I think the two best tips I have for that are, one, practice more. <laughs> That's what I need to do so that it really is just automatic and that can help you to the next tip which is don't think about it too much Mm -hmm. because you can stand there and think and think and try and try and sometimes okay if there's a big blast of wind you can take some of your 30 seconds to wait for it to pass but if it's not going to just you got to step up there and either believe that you're going to do it and spin it in or lay up Because if you doubt that you're going to make it, if you are just completely losing your mind, then just lay up and don't turn it into a three or four putt. Yeah. Yeah. Um, You know, for, I mean, first of all, going back to our last, what did we talk about? Um, Thinking, you know, thinking positive. I mean, first thing that comes to mind is if you have this force field around the basket is just think positive and imagine it to be a force field that's going to draw it in you yeah know? <laughs> um but really you know to liz's point about um practice 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 if you're not already practicing putting regularly and putting something that makes you nervous is is practice and set a reasonable goal like i remember hearing a pro and i wish i could remember who talking about putting and saying you know people that tell you they practice putting an hour every day are lying to you because that's just nobody does that you know you really don't need it that much but you know before my surgery and I think Liz knows this I'd gotten to where I was practicing putting you know 100 makes from anywhere from 20 to 30 feet because that's to me that's the distance you need to be making um and you know was was doing 100 makes you know almost every night of the week and it took me 30 minutes you know that's really what you need is to spend just 30 minutes a day as many days as you can practicing because obviously as you said experience the more you do it Mm -hmm. um the less likely you are to to visualize it that way. Now, of course, we know tournament play changes everything. Mm-hmm. So, you know, again, just try to, you know, have your routine and have it be short and don't think about it too much. Don't overthink it. Don't have a negative mantra of saying, don't miss this putt, <laughs> you know, say, you know, I'm going to make this putt, um, you know, so there you have it. I mean, just kind of do it. One last point that I would advise uh, just a little trick 
is if you're feeling this way, uh, you do have that 30 seconds. Mm. Go to the basket and walk from the basket to your lie, especially on a short putt. That might help convince your brain, oh, it only took me six or seven steps to get here. The force field's not real. The feeling that it's 50 feet away isn't real. Brilliant. So maybe give that a shot. See if it works. Another listener question. During tournament play, I normally shoot quite well in the first or first second rounds. The last round normally breaks me mentally. I can be ahead by 10 strokes going into the last few holes and somehow manage to mess that up to the point in two years, I still haven't been able to clinch a first place win. What can be done to overcome this block? How can you give yourself a winner's mentality? I have not won a tournament yet. So I'm going <laughs> to kick this one to y'all. What do you got for us, Liz? When Zoe Andike was first signed on to DD, they did a lengthy interview mm. with her and Dustin just as a get yeah. to know you. And one of the things she said that really stuck with me was that you don't need to rush into moving up to say from like going pro um that seemed to be a question she had gotten most often but it would also apply to going from rec to intermediate intermediate to advanced and so on but the thing that she said was that you need to give yourself time to learn to win yeah and so the the i think the mentality I've been working on is knowing where you are in the tournament and how much attention to pay to that and focusing on just playing your game. But for a round, I am curious to know how a lot of people feel about like, do you keep score meticulously and know exactly where you are in relation to everyone every step of the way and does it make you neurotic or do you absolutely not want to know my fiance does not want to know if somebody comes up and says oh you just pulled ahead it really ticks him off because that's when he starts to lose it Mm -hmm. and then there's kind of in the middle and I found myself last Sunday at the Longview Open. In the sec, in the first round, we had I was the extra person, so I was on a card with the tournament director and another guy, and the other four women from my division were playing on a card together. Mm. So I wasn't. I had no idea what they were doing. I just yeah. relaxed. I did my thing. I left a lot of shots out there, but it was gross weather. I was happy to survive round the first round, but I was hoping to do better the second round. In the second round, I'm on the card with the other ladies, or the top three ladies from my division, along with me, and I had a five-stroke lead, I think, mm-hmm. which surprised the heck out of me because I played really badly, <laughs> I thought. Um, and in the first several holes, I made a bunch of mistakes, mm-hmm. and mistakes that I hadn't made in the first round, so mentally, like, oh, just lost a stroke. All right, here. Well, everybody's taking a four here, so I'm not losing anything. And then, oh, there's one. Oh, gave up two there. And I went, okay, Molly's within one of me. And, okay, you you can't think about that. Yeah. And so I, at that point, I just, I shut it off. Whatever happens, happens. And 
whoever wins is going to be whoever just sticks it out, plays the best, and also has the best luck. Sometimes when you're playing on some courses, there's luck involved too. But you really can't, you can't beat yourself up too much. And you really can't, as Crispian said earlier, you, you can't be so focused on winning that you stop having fun yeah. and that you stop playing your game. Yeah. It's really good. Any other thoughts about that, Crispian? Well, you know, something that stands out to me about this question is, you know, the idea of, I mean, two things, counting strokes and, and having the quote unquote winner's mentality. Um, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't certainly don't want, you know, this person to think that I'm saying there is, but if you focus on the idea of winning versus, you know, it, it, I was talking to you guys earlier about it off air, but, you know, Sarah Hokum wrote this article in Ulta World, you know, mm-hmm. six tips, I think, to, um, you know, managing your mental game or something. Like that. In yeah. fact, you guys should yeah, look yeah. it up. It was a great article. But yeah. um, she talks about, you know, setting process goals versus outcome goals. So, yeah. you know, what in your process is your goal? I'm going to make sure that I choose the right disc, that I throw it at the right angle, so on and so forth, versus I'm going to win this round or I'm going to be on the lead card mm-hmm. or whatever. So if you can focus more on the process, you're going to inevitably probably do better. So, you know, that in the long term is probably going to give you a winner's mentality if you can mm-hmm. focus on the game and the process of the game. Crispian just reminded me of another wise thing that our 2017 USDGC champion, <laughs> Nate Sexton, told us yesterday mm-hmm. in the clinic. And Shout out. Shout out, Nate. He's awesome. And also, shout out to his wife, Brianna, who can do so many things with their adorable baby Coraline Mm -hmm. on her hip. Like, she was taking all the scores, adding up all the scores for the round that we played. You go, girl. She was coming out. (laughs) She was taking pictures of the different winners with Nate. She's doing all this stuff with one hand and a baby. Well, I'm sorry, I just have to interrupt and say that I have a soft spot in my heart for Nate Sexton because at the McBeast challenge a couple years ago, he and Paul personally spotted something that I was doing wrong in my drive that almost instantaneously got me like 50 feet worth of distance. That's awesome. So, and it has pretty much stuck around. So, thanks, Nate. Thanks, Paul. We're very proud of Sexton. I like it. So the wise thing that he said was that he tries to only spend, it was a very small amount, like between six and 12 minutes per round being completely focused on his game. Hmm. And then he tries to disengage, especially if it's a big, big tournament, if there are big backups and stuff, he just Mm -hmm. completely disengages. He likes to talk to people on his card and... Mm -hmm keep things light and he says okay if i'm annoying somebody and i can tell then i'll leave them alone but usually i take it as a challenge that okay i'm gonna make ricky laugh (laughs) hey that sounds like me right and and he says he does it because it's exhausting if you are so completely focused on yeah like not just you and your game but the entire competition Mm mm-hmm Cool. Really good. Really good stuff. Okay. Another question from Facebook. Uh, Asking for mental exercises for relaxing. I know as soon as I feel rushed at all, my shoulders go up when throwing and ruins my form. So I've got some things for this. It's kind of interesting for me because I I do struggle with anxiety 
um, but much more off the course than on the course. One of the reasons why I love disc golf is disc golf is sort of me at peak meditative state, generally speaking. Like I'll get done with a three hour round and be like, wow, I thought about literally nothing but disc golf for three hours. Um, And it's one of the reasons why I love this sport. And I'm definitely the most mindful usually when I'm playing. However, I do have some tricks that I used uh, when I would get the yips playing volleyball in high school. And these are just general relaxation tricks and really mind tricks that I use for myself. Uh, So one of my favorite things to do is the alphabet game, because really, I think sometimes with all of this, you just need a distraction. You need something to pull you out of where you're at. So I will do the alphabet game. So I'll say, okay, I'm going to name all vegetables in alphabetical order starting with A, or I'm going to name rock bands or whatever the case may be. And I'll generally get stuck on one. And when I get stuck on one, that's really good because then my focus gets on that. And then I will find that I have fully relaxed. And obviously there's no substitute for breathing. Uh, Just taking a few deep breaths is a really good idea take your 30 seconds. It is okay. Even if it's getting dark, even if you're like, oh man, I've got to hurry up because so-and-so on my card, take your 30 seconds. It's okay to stop and make sure that you feel your absolute best before you attempt your shot. Any other thoughts about that? I have all kinds of thoughts about that. That's right <laughs> up my alley. I like it. Well, um, these ladies here know know this, but I'm a, a social worker and have been a social worker for 17 years and have been a counselor, have had been a case manager, had all kinds of roles as, as a social worker. And um, I've been a drug and alcohol counselor, so I've worked a lot on this. Plus, I have all kinds of anxiety and I have been a practitioner of meditation for over a year now. So I have all this personal and professional sort of thoughts on, you know, relaxation and mental exercises. So, you know, the first thing is, you know, I, I was reading this about, you know, um, my shoulders go up when, when I'm throwing and it ruins my form because a lot of people, of course, hold tension in their neck and shoulders and upper body. Mm-hmm. And um, <clears throat> there's a couple different things. I mean, there's progressive relaxation, there's active and passive progressive relaxation. And so, you know, one of the things that you can do is intentionally, the idea is that when you have anxiety, you tense your muscles, Mm -hmm. which then sort of is like almost like a, you know, this becomes this Pavlovian response. When you tighten your muscles, then you have more anxiety. So if you can intentionally tighten and then relax your muscles, Mm -hmm. then it can essentially then it will help stave off that anxiety because you found a way to intentionally loosen your muscles. So whether or not you're in a mental state of anxiety, you can find tricks that your body can do that can kind of pull you out of that. So, you know, an active progressive relaxation is literally just to think, okay, I'm going to tighten up my shoulders and now I'm going to breathe out and loosen them. I'm going to tighten up my neck and then I'm going to breathe out and loosen. I'm going to tighten up my butt cheeks and then breathe out and loosen. I mean, I know it sounds funny, but really Mm -hmm. that's all, you know, your body needs is to sort of understand the difference between tense and loose is, is the concept behind that. Um, And then you can do passive progressive relaxation, which is easier for a lot of people, which is simply breathe in and then breathe out into a specific body part. Imagine yourself breathing out into that body part and that body part you know, loosening up with that breath. Um, that's a really, really easy trick for that. Um, and then there's another one. You were talking about the alphabet thing, mm-hmm. um, you know, in mindfulness work, but also just in counseling work, because mindfulness is, is quite frankly, like the industry standard right now for anxiety work um, is, you know, there's, it's called five, four, three, two, one. Mm-hmm. So basically to bring you into the present moment, you think of 
five things you can see and you visually name, you know, you name them as you look at them, four things that you can touch and you physically touch those things, three things that you can hear. And again, you name those to yourself, two things that you can smell and one thing that you can taste, because basically that's bringing all of your senses into the here and now. So that's another really, really good trick. And I've been doing that a lot lately, actually, to deal with my own personal anxiety. Um, And actually, another kind of quick and easy one is close your eyes and take some deep breaths and then take your pulse as you do that, Mm -hmm. because that brings you back into your body, um, gets you well oxygenated at the same time. So those are some fun little tricks. Yeah. And kind of piggybacking on that with that anxiety piece, too. A question I find myself asking myself a lot lately um, is just where am I right now? Because mm-hmm. anxiety is usually about something that is upcoming, right? Mm-hmm. So Future I oriented, yeah. start getting like really worried about what is coming ahead or things I don't have control over. And like if I just ask myself, where am I right now? That brings me back to the present moment. Mm-hmm. Um, and I find that to be really, really helpful. Mm-hmm. Well, that that kind of I, I, you know, we had talked a little bit before, of course, about um, before, you know, our uh, today about some of this stuff. So I had, you know, written myself some notes and some of the things that I was thinking about was this idea of embracing anxiety. Yeah. You know, that we have it. We all have it. Embrace it. You know, anxiety isn't always bad. Mm-hmm. You know, Liz mm-hmm. just pointed out a perfect, you know, reason why it makes us more social. Um, so if you and can embrace it and, you know, again, I mean, I'm going off into this, you know, idea that you get through sort of mindfulness and mindful living, yeah. which is understanding that all feelings are temporary. And I have been through a lot in the last mm-hmm. year personally, mm-hmm. you know, with surgery and pain and, you know, all kinds of things. And um, I've not always been great at it, but sometimes I do have to just remind myself like this was not going to be forever. Yep. And it's really important to embrace the idea that like, okay, I have this anxiety right now. It's not going to be for forever. Um, you know, make sure it's on a on a really simple level when you're feeling that anxiety and that butterflies in your stomach and you're not sure. It sounds like this person maybe is having really like all, whole round issues almost. Yeah. So, you know, it's making sure that you have enough to eat, that you yes. have enough to drink, yes. that you have your medicine, that if you if you take medicine for anxiety, take it. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, just, you know, just mm-hmm. really simple things. Make sure you use the bathroom. Make sure that you don't hold it to just not slow your car down. We do have right. a right to use the restroom and, yeah. you know, when we can find ways to do that. So on a really basic level, sort of take care of yourself. Um, you know, give praise, accept praise, mm-hmm. look at it as a lighthearted, not life or death situation because it's not. Um, it's disc golf. <laughs> yeah, it's we disc love disc this golf. game. <laughs> right. And and so I have this mantra and 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 I it spoke to me so much when I heard it for the first time that I actually tattooed it on my inside of my bicep, um, which is not a bad place to get tattooed. Anybody who wants to get tattooed. <laughs> um, but it's, you know, may I meet this moment fully? May I meet it as a friend? And the concept and the idea is I got to be here, whether it's good or bad. So I may as well make friends with it. Yeah. Great discussion. We'll take a break. And when we come back, a mindfulness exercise with Jamie Crosby and my conversation with disc golfer and therapist, Anthony Perrier. Ladies of the Chains is proudly supported by Ducks Flying Discs, offering all players a country club level experience on all of the top brands in disc golf. Mention Ladies of the Chains and receive 10% off your next order. Find them on Facebook or call them at 316-765-2334. Also visit their website, ducksflyingdiscs.com. 
Hi, this is uh, Jamie Crosby, a disc golfer and aspiring yoga teacher. I'm here to talk about um, anxiety and meditation to kind of calm your mind during competition. Um, A lot of people think of meditation as this like hippy-dippy type practice, um, but really it's, it's as easy as breathing. That's all it is. And now I'd like to show you or lead you through a little sample meditation that you can use on the course. Okay, so first you want to rate your stress from a one to a 10. Let's say we've chosen five. So the first step is to relax your shoulders, roll your shoulders down your back, unclench your teeth. You don't want a clenched jaw that creates a lot of tension in the body. Breathe deep and count to five. And exhale, count to five. Again, inhale on five. And this time, make sure your lungs are filling to the brim. Expand your body to its biggest potential. And then exhale and really ring out those organs. Really bring your belly to your spine. And again, inhale. Exhale. Inhale. Focus on your breath, where you're feeling your breath. It could be in your lungs, your abdomen. Exhale. Inhale. You might notice some thoughts coming and going. Make a mental note that you are thinking and move on. As you're breathing, notice if you are breathing heavier into one side of your body or the other. Spend some time evening out the breath. Let the breath become natural As you breathe, notice the things that are bringing you out of your breath. Maybe it's an external sound, the wind, the ground beneath your feet. Let it go. If you are feeling tension in any part of your body, breathe into that part of your body. When you're ready, welcome your surroundings back into your mind. Feel the wind, the grass. Be present. Begin to open your eyes, shake your hands, wiggle your toes, 
whenever you feel yourself drifting, come back to this breath. Come back to this moment. I'm here with Anthony Perrier, disc golfer and therapist. And Anthony's going to answer some questions for us about anxiety and the mental game. So Anthony, a lot of players, I would say if not most players, experience some kind of anxiety or nervousness before a tournament. What approach would you recommend to help players relax? So in my mind, I think there's a big difference between excitement and anxiety. Like I have experienced both at tournaments and um, the excitement is the positive stuff and so my advice is focusing on that, kind of leaning into what are the all the awesome aspects of a thing that this tournament that I'm going to look forward to. So like, who am I going to see? The friends I'm going to, you know, make the friends I'm going to see again. Just being able to say like, I'm super excited. Like I'm playing GBO in a few weeks. Super, super excited for that. Um, and obviously I want to do really well, but I'm trying to focus on what are the positive elements of that tournament so that I don't just kind of you know, let the anxiety, the nervousness, all that stuff take over. So more leaning on that and kind of trying to put the negative thoughts to the side and just focus on all the positive, you know, the experience and that sort of stuff. Cool. So is there anything that you do to help yourself relax even when, because I know for me, I definitely can identify with that excitement versus anxiety piece because I have both for sure. (laughs) So is there anything you recommend to just help you relax? I know for me, especially like the night before a tournament is when I have the most excitement and have the hardest time kind of relaxing and getting to sleep. I mean, so something that I actually just started doing this past year, I played in the wide open last year, Kansas City wide open, um, and actually had the highest rated round I've ever had. Um, And so we played Swope Gold. And um, I crushed it. And the funny thing was, I did really well because I knew I was going to have to DNF. Like, I couldn't play the next two rounds. Sure. Because um, my wife and I had to, to leave. And so I, like, went into that round thinking, I, there's no pressure here. Like, I get to have fun. It doesn't matter, like, what I do. And so the, the nervousness was, like, gone. And so now I'm trying to, like, say... Now when I go into tournaments, think about that mindset that I had there. Like, it doesn't matter. This is just like take it one round at a time and enjoy myself rather than being like all worked up about, oh, I got to make sure that I, you know, don't miss these putts or I, you know, like just the the nerves were so much more calm because I went in thinking I just get to have fun today. And it made a huge difference. My friend Caleb had the same thing happen to him at GBO last year. He saw he shot an awesome first round because he knew he wasn't going to be able to finish the tournament. So I think there's a big um, you know, advantage to being able to relax and just kind of enjoy that round instead of getting all worked up ahead of time about it. Cool. So what advice would you have for someone who really wants to play competitively, but is having a hard time getting over the performance and anxiety aspect of it? Um, in my mind, performance anxiety, I think, comes from a fear of comparison. Um, you know, like we go in thinking it, am I as good as these other players? Are they going to, you know, make me look bad? Um, you know, all those thoughts that are, are generally negative because you're afraid of what you're going to look like to other people. Um, you're afraid you're going to embarrass yourself. 
you know, like I've got that recurring fear of I'm going to like grip lock into the trees right off the tee and look stupid to everybody. Um, so th- I think that's where the performance anxiety comes from is what are these people going to think of me if I make a mistake? I think you've got to be able to kind of just enjoy yourself and, and pretend it's a practice round almost. So, um, you know, when you're there on the tee, instead of thinking, don't screw this up, just think, relax and have fun. Um, Michael Johansson is a pro that I love to watch because he's like the most chill guy on the course, you know, like he looks like he's just, you, he probably plays this exact same in a practice round as he does in like a major because he's just like, it's cool, whatever, you know? And so I kind of, I think that mindset matters. Um, Simon's another person that like, you know, everyone else is taking one route and he's like, I don't care what you guys are doing. I'm going to do my own thing. And so I think there's a lot to learn from those guys in that you don't have to worry so much about what your card mates are thinking of you. You can kind of just relax, say, this is my style. I shouldn't be embarrassed by that. I shouldn't be anxious about it. I should just embrace it. Um, There's a quote by Tiger Woods that I thought was good. It said, um, there are two opponents in the game, yourself and the golf course. If you can somehow combat those two, you'll do all right. So I think that's the mindset you've got to have is performance anxiety comes a lot from what are the other people on my card thinking or doing. And if you can push that out and just say, what am I going to do with the course? Like it's just me and my ability and I got to just relax and, and trust that. I think that'll help with performance anxiety. That's really good. So do you have any quick tips for when anxiety hits you during a round? You know, it might not necessarily be, before, I know as someone who struggles with anxiety at times, sometimes it can kind of just come out of nowhere because I'm tired. It's not necessarily, you know, related to a putter or a drive or anything like that. But when you're, you know, maybe in the middle of the round and anxiety just hits. I'm a big fan of mindfulness. Um, so if you're familiar with kind of mindfulness exercises, things like that, um, I encourage those. Like if you're walking to your disc and you've got just like a minute or two where you can kind of walk away from the group. Um, so doing things like deep breathing, um, closing your eyes and just taking a moment to calm yourself. Kind of the same thing I would tell a client in, you know, a therapy session, we would, you know, close our eyes and start breathing slowly. And then you begin to identify the sounds around you, you know, like think about, oh, I hear the birds chirping. I hear the chains in the distance, things like that. Um, so that you're kind of centering yourself and then you continue that process like what do you feel physically like you can feel the wind blowing your hair you can feel the sun on your skin stuff like that I think that's a good exercise and just being able to center yourself and not like anxiety when it hits your brain just starts kind of going crazy right like you're thinking of all these negative scenarios and you can't Mm -hmm. calm down Um, so being able to kind of just do like a quick mindfulness exercise even as you're walking to the your your shot or you're waiting on your other card mates to do that. Um, just being able to kind of remind yourself of the the beauty and the joy that you get when you're outside. Cause I think a lot of times when anxiety hits, we forget about like, Oh, this is actually really fun. It's really nice to be outside. Um, but if you can focus on that rather than mm-hmm. the putt you missed or, you know, what your drive's going to look like and just be able to say like, I just enjoy this. I think that'll help doing something like that. Yeah, that's great. So this is kind of a broad subject, but we're talking about the mental game on today's episode. And what advice would you give to someone 
wanting to work on their mental game, you know, maybe in the beginning of of their kind of journey and process of just saying, hey, I recognize that my mental game is a big part of this and just maybe some first steps to take to work on that. Um, yeah, so I'd say, first of all, always remember to have fun. Um, I think a lot of times, especially tournaments, um, if, if you let those suck the fun out of it, um, because you're anxious or because you get frustrated. Um, I think you probably got the mind wrong mindset about, you know, playing tournaments. So, Mm -hmm. uh, I say practice your mental game during practice rounds, um, simulate pressure situations. Um, Dave Feldberg did like a putting tutorial Mm -hmm. where he's like, you do your normal putting practice to get like the muscle memory. And then he's like, before you're done, do like 10 actual simulations of what it's like in, in a, in a tournament. So like, he's like, so you mark your disc, you put the mini down, you check the wind, you talk to your imaginary card mates, you know, like, you know, if you can imagine there's a crowd around you, if you need to, and you do all that just to help yourself prepare mentally for what a tournament, you know, situations like, cause I think a lot of times in practice, we don't do that. We, you know, we just play and we don't think about, well, yeah, there is a little added, you know, element of tournament disc golf that, that creates that more high pressure situation. Mm-hmm. So the more you can practice that, the better you feel. And then in a tournament, when you step up to that putt and you feel his nerves start to pop up, you can think, wait, no, I've like, I've done this like 500 times. I've already imagined this scenario in my mind. So a lot of the mental game is, is just preparation ahead of time. Mm-hmm. Um, another good mental tip that um, I learned was when you get to the tournament, trust the game that you brought um, instead of thinking, oh, I've got to work on this or this isn't quite right. Um, another example of a tournament that I played like that was the Canyon Waiko. I think it was like 2015. And I showed up and I had been trying to work on my backhand drive. And for whatever reason, it was so bad. <laughs> like I could not throw it straight for the life of me. And so I'm like preparing to play this whole tournament and I'm thinking I can't throw a backhand drive, but I was like, I was told, you know, use what you brought to the course. So I think that whole tournament, I threw three backhand mm-hmm. drives. The rest of the time I threw all forehands and Waiko's not like a forehand friendly course at all. But I was like, I got to be able to trust that because I believe in this part of it. Mm-hmm. And so I, I played awesome. I got second place and advanced that tournament and all throwing sidearms, which yeah isn't recommended, you know, but at that time I was like, if I'm going to be mentally strong, I've got to trust what I brought. And if I don't trust things then I'm going to try to, to lean on my, my strengths rather than like worry about my weaknesses all the time. Awesome. So I'm curious what you would recommend that someone says or does if they recognize that a card mate is experiencing anxiety, is it better to kind of leave them be, or do you have any tips for that situation yeah this is such a tough um tough thing to navigate right I asked a friend of mine uh who I play with all the time I was like what would you recommend and he said he said once the meltdown has started just let me burn (laughs) he's like (laughs) he's like there's no saving me at this point um and so I think you can kind of tell based on people's reactions what they need sure um I tend to be an encourager like when I'm on the course um always even if I can tell a guy's having a rough day like finding the little things that he's doing well and like complimenting those and trying to kind of build his confidence because you know I don't want to be like 
hey man, it looks like you're dealing with a lot of anxiety right now. Why don't you do that? You know, like go into therapist mode. Obviously that's not going to be helpful, but um, being able to hopefully kind of plant the seed in them, they're like, oh, I'm, this is going well. Hopefully they catch on to that. Not, you know, it's more of a subvertive kind of encouragement. Um, but then there are guys that it's just like, it's probably best to leave him alone sure. and not say anything. Right. You kind of just tell based on their reactions what you need to do. Yeah, definitely. So you talked about, you know, really focusing on the fun of the game and the positives. So what advice would you say to give to someone um, to help them focus on what they want to do rather than what they don't want to do? I'm, I'm of the camp that says whatever you say last in your mind is what your brain hears. Mm -hmm. Um, And so rather than saying, you know, don't grip lock, you know, or don't hit that tree or don't miss this putt. What your brain hears is miss this putt, hit the tree, grip lock, you know, like Mm -hmm. those are the last things it hears. So I think it's kind of self-fulfilling when you do that. So I think it's all about being able to say like, focus on what you want to happen and, and just continue to tell yourself that, you know, like hit this line, follow through the putt, you know, you're going to make this putt. Um, instead of allowing fear to kind of dominate your thoughts of don't Mm -hmm. do this, don't do that. Um, just focus on what you want it to do. And hopefully I think a lot of the time that makes a big difference, you know, like being able to say like, I'm going to go in, It, it builds confidence if nothing else, like getting more of a positive mindset Rather than like, because if you say, don't miss this putt, and then you miss the putt, you're so frustrated with yourself. Mm -hmm. You're like, I told myself not to do that. But if you're like, make this putt, and you miss, it's like, I'll make the next one. You know, like, it just changes the overall mindset. And I think it helps your round a lot, too. So focusing on what you want to happen rather than what you don't want is, is a big part of that. That's great. All right. Any other tips for anxiety or the mental game? Um... I mean, I think that there's a lot to learn out there from ball golf. Um, I've, I've mm-hmm. read a few different ball golf kind of psychology books. Um, golf is not a game of perfect is one of my favorite ones. Yeah. Um, there's another one called Fearless Golf. Uh, those help. I mean, you obviously all the this different situations kind of translate really well to disc golf. So, yep. um, so be a student of that kind of to look into those things. Um, Zen Disc Golf is mm-hmm. another good book you could check out. Um, so doing, doing work off the course is, is just as important as doing work on when it comes to the mental game, I think. Wonderful. Uh, Anthony, thank you so much for sitting down and talking with me today. Sure. No problem. The fourth annual KC Diva Spring Fever is coming up on May 12th. This tournament has become one of the most anticipated and well-attended female-only disc golf events of the year. For 2018, it is also a part of the PDGA Women's Global Event. These women-only tournaments will be run simultaneously around the world to virtually create the largest women's tournament on the planet. In addition to the competitors, there will be countless volunteers and spectators at the event that will be exposed to your business and brand. If you are interested in sponsoring or supporting this very special tournament, please visit kcdiscgolfdivas.com. Welcome back. And now our listener question segment. Here's the question. I've only made a call once or twice on stance violations or a miscounted score by a card mate over the five years I've been in the tournament scene. Although my other card mate seconded my call and the player realized their fault, I felt ashamed afterwards. 
There was no malice towards the player who made the violation, but I felt like the bad guy. In turn, during my next few holes, it was hard to shake that feeling, and I only wanted to profusely apologize for making the call. That anxious feeling crept back and my game suffered. I feel like making those calls is what helps players grow from fixing their mistakes in practice and advance their skill level, but I'd like to feel less like the bad guy for following the rules. <laughs> Any advice on practices to use to overcome these feelings would be very appreciated. And this is certainly a question we could spend a ton of time on because uh, I think we've all been there. So what do y'all think? I know exactly what she's talking about because, yeah, it can definitely make things feel awkward and it throws everybody off a little bit. Generally, if you can just not be too confrontational about it and go through, then it can be okay. And just try try to be relaxed and hopefully they will be. But I remember as a new player the first time someone... Um, like told me like no that's out of bounds and you have to do this and oh I thought she was mean oh she was so mean but guess what in time that goes away uh, the first time someone told me what a foot fault was mm-hmm. she was very friendly about, about it it was shout out Amy Crow you were very nice about it um, I thought you were mean too but I'm over that and so last year Last year, I think it was at the uh, Tim Selinski Masters, I just kind of, um, there was a woman who was just really consistently ending up like up and to the right of her mini. Mm -hmm. I mean, it wasn't like just a little like, so I just kind of was like, hey, um, just so you know, um, it looks to me like your foot is coming down here when really it should be back here. And so just try to try to watch that because technically it's a foot fault. And she said um, at, at the end of the tournament, she came up and thanked me mm-hmm. because she said after that, she was like so focused on making sure she didn't do it again, that she was putting her head down to watch her foot. But that was also improving her throwing form yeah. by not having her head up, which is a sure. form thing. And she took so many strokes off her scores that her ratings went high enough that she qualified and was one of the winners of a Zuka cart. So she said, I helped her win a Zuka cart. So that's the best case scenario. But if you're if you're nice about it and it you don't have to wait and make the official call. If you see something that like, okay. I guess there's a difference between the score and yeah. and the stance violations, but the stance violation rules have changed. So yeah. that makes it a little easier. Yeah, I think so. Yeah. Um, but something really stuck out to me when uh, we, Liz and myself and um, our friend Anna and my husband Matt and MK, a bunch of us went from Kansas City, Kim Janola, obviously who won um, Nova, a bunch of us from the Kansas City area went to Worlds, um, Amateur Worlds last year. And something that was said in the players meeting that really, really stuck out, and it was one of the PDGA officials, if I remember right, said, you know, if you see someone have a footfall, or if you see someone with a stance violation, or a courtesy violation, call it, you know, that we as a sport, we have a duty to legitimize what we're doing. And that's one of the ways that we do that. I'm paraphrasing what he said, but we have a duty to, in order to make our sport a legitimately held in the eye of the public sport is we have to be conscientious. Very good. Now time for an FPO wrap up from the last couple of weeks. 
So a couple of weeks ago, we had the Jonesboro Open, and it was a really in- interesting uh, tournament. Nova, Kim, and I got to do commentary again, thanks to Terry Miller, uh, the disc golf guy, Woo! for <laughs> the first couple of rounds. And with that, I really uh, would invite anyone listening who has comments or constructive criticism please reach out to me on facebook or email through the website um i am always looking to improve and get better it's one of the reasons why i love disc golf is because i love learning i love growing and i have got some ideas about some things that we can do um even better in the future but we do really enjoy that and it's also really cool to you know get to see that coverage and the FPO field had a really good first round. It was really cool. Um, Kona shot incredibly well. I was super impressed with how she played, and she definitely showed that she's got it. Um, she's young, and I think as she continues to kind of put things together, she's going to continue to be on lead cards. She's um, so cute. Yeah, <laughs> and she is adorable. a darn hard worker, too. <laughs> um, and it's really, really showing through, which is cool. Uh, Madison Walker had a great tournament. Yes. She's having a really good year. It's um, great to see her recovering yep. so well. I got to talk to her a few times last year, yep. and it was really hard on her not sure. getting to play. So oh, it's yeah. really exciting to see her doing Absolutely. so great now. Absolutely. It's so. hard on people not being able to play. You know, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's <Gosh>. right. <laughs> no joke. Right, uh, and, and Tina. Tina yes. Tina's having yeah. a hard time now. Tina. We love you, Tina. Can't wait Tina. for you to get back out there. Um, Jennifer Allen had a really good yes. Jonesboro tournament, mm. too. Man, that 18th hole was rough. It got Jen uh, in round three. It got Kona in round one and kind of disrupted some otherwise, like, kill rounds. Uh, but Jen and Madison still tied uh, for second. Uh, Sarah Hokum's been playing really well this year. She's kind of quietly doing some really awesome things. Mm-hmm. She had a CTP on a hole where she drove um, with a backhand. Um, so yeah. What? She, <laughs> I wish I could do she that with a forehand. <laughs> My non-existent forehand mm-hmm. game. Yeah. So um, good stuff coming from FPO. I'm excited to see kind of as the season progresses. Uh, Texas mm. States, they have not loaded their scores yet into PDGA.com as we are recording, so I cannot tell you who won on the FPO side. Uh, Jessica Weiss had a thousand rated round two. I was just two. about to ask you about her. I was yeah. like, how, what is she so doing? Because I took missed the lead. it all. Yeah, she took the lead after round two, so we'll she's, have to see kind of how that all She's doing up. something. Like I told you the last time mm-hmm. we, we got together, like I just noticed she's doing something. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, she's got that forehand and backhand combo, and it'll be cool to see kind of how she progresses. Um, and then looking ahead to GBO, GBO, so stoked, man! There, dun, dun, dun. Are, there are forty competitors in FPO. Yeah, buddy, yeah. In GBO, and it just—I don't know. I feel like it's a little bit of vision casting there of hopefully what the FPO field will be as mm. we move into the future. And yeah, buddy all A tiers and NTs and Mm -hmm. pro tour events um, because they're showing it can be done. So the more, you know, players that we get all over the place uh, moving through the ranks here and obviously the AM fields are super packed too. I am so excited to go to my first GBO as a spectator and um, yeah, just check out the Emporia scene. I've obviously heard nothing but good things. So I'm excited Mm. to go to the, GBO kickoff beer fest yes. Monday evening. Yeah, shout out to uh, Val and Nate. They've got um, 
another collaboration beer that's going to be there so yes yeah. and it's not just their collaboration and is with both radius and prairie artisan ales so cool. all right it's gonna be even Those better disc golfers too i love it Kaylee Kincaid competed at Jonesboro. Yes, she did. Yep. And I got I saw her hey, saw her at Rosedale, I think on Thursday when we were out practicing for corporate challenge. And yeah, it was really cool to talk to her. She said she got to play with Katrina and Yeah. It just it that it sounds like it was a really good experience for her. Yeah. And I think she made the island. Yes, she did. She was one of three birdies on the island hole on round two. So you good job, Kaylee. Yeah, we'll get Kaylee in here soon for sure. So that is our show. Any shout outs before we get out of here? Well, um, I forgot last time to give a shout out to my fiance, (laughs) Michael Kruger and uh, Therese Babcock. Yeah, Um, Yeah, thanks, Therese. Yeah, Therese led a brunch and paint fundraiser for our Divas tournament this morning. And she also uh, really helped me out and helped out a friend from Norway who's coming for the GBO. Um, I had, he picked out a disc and then I ordered it and had it shipped to her and she put this cool design on it. We'll post a picture of it, but she'll actually do that. She makes these original mandala designs on whatever disc you want. And I think it's maybe $15 to do the artwork and they look really cool when they're flying so she's an independent woman artist who also plays disc golf so i think it's aceret art so therese spelled backwards art she's got a facebook page and website check her out cool yeah so i want to give a shout out to my husband matt jenkins because he loves the show um should definitely so liz and i we call ourselves team ace with our friend anna so we'll give her a little shout out today the a to our ace i would like to give a shout out to my physical therapist matt (laughs) my other physical therapist sean my other physical therapist assistant carmen and my other pta nate um because they've all been awesome. awesome give a shout out to my pain management doctor who's about to put some steroids in my neck in a couple weeks dr mitchell good job i hope you don't mess up when you go for my spine Um, (laughs) and uh i'd like to give a shout out to the uh casey diva spring fever planning committee um because it's getting close and we're you know um doing a lot of work and everybody's kind of got their little niche that they're working in and so you know really shout out to us I also should shout out my Kansas City Corporate Challenge doubles partner, Lisa Andrews. Shout out to everyone who's playing Corporate Challenge. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. Thank you so much for listening. My thanks to Crispy and Liz, Jamie and Anthony for joining me today. If you are interested in supporting the podcast, visit our website, ladiesofthechains.com, where you can click on the support button or email us if you're interested in a sponsorship. Your support will enable the podcast to continue and grow. You can also find us on Facebook or email us your questions and comments to ladiesofthechains at gmail.com. If you enjoy the podcast, if you would be so kind to rate us on iTunes or whatever platform you are listening on. Have a great couple of weeks and we'll see you next time here on the Ladies of the Chains Disc Golf Podcast. Bye-bye.